You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Uh, you know, I'm going to approach this a whole different way than I had planned. So for whatever that's worth, let's just see what happens here before I get started. It's going to restart. Okay. Um, this last week, well, let me start even in a different place. So for those of you who are visiting and and uh, we've, I tend to teach in long series. I know that's not a popular way to teach these days, but it's the way God does it in me, so it's what I do. So we're a number of weeks into this series on staying on course. And, but if you go to our website, rmcmchurch.org, uh, you, can, you can get all of the foundation that we've laid, because of course we can't, even though I always do some review, we can't really go back over all of that. We've been in this for a number of weeks but we're talking here, we've had two primary themes, and one is that we want to go through our whole life strong in faith toward the Lord, fulfilling his purpose for our life. And, and we've looked uh, a number of times at the verse where, where Paul said, I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course with all my might, and I have kept my heart full of faith. This was at the end of his life. We all want that testimony. That's who we want to be. We, uh, the scripture talks to us about where we started on this, this particular series. He, talked, he warned Timothy about not being intentional about his faith and the poss- possibility that he would end up with what they called a shipwrecked faith. All right, A faith that ran aground on something that happened in life and never moved again. A, a shipwrecked faith. The scripture also talks about people who wandered from the faith. The scripture talks about people who abandoned the faith. All right, so the point of all that is, all those verses were written to believers and and many times written to leaders, all right? And so we have to realize there is a vulnerability. We have to pay attention to where our hearts are and how we're engaging with God in order to get go through our whole life and all the different things that we face in life and stay strong in the Lord and strong in our faith toward God so that we can run our whole race with all of our heart, with all of our might, finish the course that God has given us. Every one of us have a purpose. Every one of us, we are here in this generation with a message for people around us, for people we know. There are people you will reach that I will never reach. I won't even know, but you may be the only gospel they ever meet, at least until they may meet you. And then maybe they'll uh, meet Jesus, who, who of course is the one they really need to come to. So we've been talking about that, and we've been talking about how the Lord has given us this, uh, what the Bible calls perseverance. It is something the Lord installs in us. It is a grace. It's described by the early church fathers as a grace. And it gives us the ability to contend against the things that would try to draw us off of our faith. And this is just such an important idea. I just want to repeat it again. We're not suggesting that by faith you can avoid all the negative experiences that happen on the earth. All right, we're not suggesting that. We're saying that when we go through negative experiences, 
there are the enemy loves to use those moments to sow thoughts into our heart, to get us to believe lies, to, sow, to pick up emotions that shouldn't belong to us, and to get us off track. And those are the things that we're talking about contending against. We're talking about standing up in the middle of a difficult situation and being able to declare with all our heart, you know what, yeah, this, this that I'm going through right now is not the will of God, it is not what he has set for me, and I declare his goodness, even though I'm going through something in life that really stinks, okay? That is a place we will never get the opportunity in heaven to praise God in the middle of a difficult, in the middle of a loss or a betrayal or any of the things that we're talking about. We won't get that opportunity in heaven. There won't be any, there's no tears there. All right, but here, this is an incredible opportunity and we're not at all suggesting God sent the situation. I don't believe that. I'm not gonna go off in that today. I don't believe that. But in the midst of it, we have the opportunity to stand there and worship God and declare his goodness. So this last week, we went uh, to a conference uh, over in the Springs at Woodland Park and... um, it was just interesting because, you know, um, Boyd just talked about things, you know, messages lining up and hearing the same thing. And I've talked to you about that a lot. But first of all, I had the opportunity to minister um, to a group of leaders. You know, Many of you know we support a group called International Scripture Ministries that are working to get the gospel to every person on earth in their own language. And I had the opportunity, they invited me to speak to them. And I did that on Thursday morning. And so the amazing thing, I mean, we've got people joining us by live stream here this morning. We have people that will view this later from our website. That day, I ministered to, I can't remember now, seven or eight of their leaders. I'm sitting in a motel room in Colorado Springs. They are scattered all over the country. One girl's middle of the night, she's in India. Uh, They're all over the world, and we're meeting together, face-to-face, sort of. can see each other's eyes, okay? And sharing the word and sharing the gospel. What an amazing thing. And I ministered some along these lines, because there are people who come under attack in a lot of different ways. And every one of them had a testimony about how uh, we've primarily been, we've been naming just five things that we're going through one at, a, one at a time and looking at. Those were disappointment, betrayal, regret, which is what we're going to talk about today, loss, and offense. There are many others. We could talk about, you know, discouragement's kind of a part of a lot of these things. We could talk about distraction. It's a big thing that can pull us off. But every one of those people had a testimony about how They've experienced those different things and how important it is to stay on track with God through them. These are things that all of us experience because we live in a fallen planet. We live in a broken world. But we went to this conference. The first speaker talked about how important every one of you are, every one of us having a purpose and, a, and a, a divine plan for our life to impact this generation, which is what we're talking about, and how important it was for us not to be taken off course. The second speaker we listened to was a trained psychologist and counselor who's now a minister, and he talked about how uh, 
people run into trauma and how to get free from trauma in their lives through the, through the Lord. And he said exactly what we talked about a few weeks ago. The world through, and this guy's a, a psychologist, okay, as a counselor, he said the world can give us coping mechanisms, just, just what we said a couple of weeks ago, but only Jesus can set us free, can truly free us from abuse and trauma and the destructive things that some of us get into or go through in our lives. So it, it just lined right up with what we're talking about. The third speaker, and we had him for two sessions, talked about freedom from demonic influence that's offered to us through thoughts that aren't our own. And in particular, when we go through things like disappointment, betrayal, loss, all of the things we're talking about, that they're along as we go through those situations. There are thoughts that come that it's important for us to realize those are not my thoughts and I will not accept those thoughts. I will think on the things of God. I will renew my mind to think the way the scripture thinks, the way God thinks. And so everybody, and then the last, the last person we actually listened to online last night, got up and talked about exactly what we're talking about. He went through, he lost his wife this last year, talking about going through a big loss like that and using it. He knows it wasn't God that this happened, but he's using it as an opportunity to worship. He's using it as an opportunity to declare the goodness of God in the face of that tragedy. And so I'm saying all of that just to say, I really believe this is an important message for all of us, for the whole church right now. I'm seeing it come up everywhere. If we're going to fulfill God's purpose for our lives, we've got to stay on track with him. We can't get pulled off course and shipwrecked somewhere along the way. Does that make sense to you? All right. So in the time we have left, I'm going to try to go through this as best I can. Our next thing in our our list, we talked about disappointment, we talked about how to get through a betrayal, uh, was regret. All right, regret. It's another thing that all of us experience. All of us have regrets. And and so this is just the, the basic definition of this term, and I'm going to add a little bit to it. Regret is a sense of sorrow or remorse aroused by the memory of an event, an action, something we might have done, and inaction, that would be something we wish we would have done, right? That is beyond our ability to change or control. I want to talk to you about that for just, just a moment. So there are different kinds of regret. Some of them are short-term regret, Maybe something we just said that we know we shouldn't have said. We've hurt somebody. Okay, then there are long-term regrets. There are things maybe we did years ago. I have regrets in my life from before I came to Christ. There were, there were some of my contemporaries, some of, you know, junior high school, high school kids that I influenced to get started with drugs. Okay, I regret that. At the time, I wasn't a Christian. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, here was my mindset. This is what we're doing. This is great fun, you know? Come do it with us, you know? Well, later, when I came to the Lord, I had a drastic change of worldview. 
and realized that that was a very destructive thing to invite into somebody's life. I regret that. I can't change it. I can't change what I did. So I have to figure out how to deal with the regret. Short-term regrets, we often can begin to undo it, begin to heal it with an apology, okay? But really, what needs to happen, an apology might be the first step, but an apology without genuine repentance, we're just going to end up back in more regret. In other words, if I go, I feel remorse, I feel sorry, so I go and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have acted that way. But repentance is not saying you're sorry. Repentance might start with, it might involve saying you're sorry. But repentance is a change of mind. This is what the Bible teaches us. It's a change of mind that causes different behavior. It is a 180 degree turn from something ungodly to God. All right, so we're changing our thinking. We're, our behavior is changed. So we don't go right back and do the same thing to that person or another person again. That's repentance, okay? So an apology without repentance, does, it, it'll just take you in a cycle of more regret. Then you'll regret that action and you'll apologize, but you'll eventually go out and do the same thing. See, somewhere in there, God has to get involved in our life because only Jesus can truly set us free, change our hearts, renew our minds so that we are living more out of what he's already done in our spirits. This makes sense to you, okay? So there are short-term, because, you know, this, this definition says it's beyond our ability to change or control. Well, that's the kind of regret that I primarily want to talk about this morning. That's the kind of regret that there's nothing I can do to undo what was done now, all right? I can't change what I did or I can't change what I didn't do. A lot of times, uh, experiencing a loss of someone in our life produces regret. And it's fruitless, but it does. We think, if only I'd have done this, if only I wouldn't have done that, if only I'd have been there, if only, if only, if only, okay, I understand the feelings, but what we have to grasp is it's not productive and what regret will attack, what regret will try to do in your life is anchor you to your past. It will try to cause a fear in you of making another mistake. All right? It'll, it'll, it'll make you not want to step out and take a risk with a relationship Oh, maybe I'll just do the same thing, or maybe the same thing will be done to me, or maybe I'll just go through the same experience. So I'm just not, I'm just not going to have any more relationships. And yet the Bible, the Scripture, calls us to be a people, primarily with a relationship, an open relationship with the Lord, but out of that to build relationships with people that are life-giving. So we can't stay there. We can't let regrets become that anchor in our, in our life, all right? So, uh, and I just want, I'm just going to read some verses to you. I don't have them on the screen this morning, really. I just, this is one of these days where these things just, <laughs> I told Karen, trying to make breakfast, and I just kept having to run, or, run over, and, 
and uh, write down more scripture. So I'm just going to read four verses to you just to get a foundation here. Uh, we've already talked out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Remember, this is one of our foundational verses where Paul said, One thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining forward to what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. So he said, here's how I do it. If I'm going to strain forward into what God has called me to, I'm also, he didn't say I forgot my past. He says, I am forgetting my past. In other words, I'm dethroning it. I'm leaving my past behind. That's not an excuse to just keep doing the same things that we regret, right? It's just a mindset that, you know what? This is done. I need to do the right thing with it. I need to learn whatever I can from it. And I need to go to the Lord in the midst of this and and receive the change needed to not keep repeating the same mistake. All right. But at the same time, I'm dethroning it. It, What I did in the past, what happened in the past, it's not going to rule my future. Right. And we talked about that extensively farther back in this series in Isaiah chapter 43. And you might just want to write these down because we're just going to go through them kind of quickly. In Isaiah 43 verse 18, the Lord says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. That means don't live in the past. All right. Again, it doesn't mean don't learn something from it. It doesn't mean don't correct what you can correct. But he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert. He's making a way where it seems to be impossible, is what that says to us, and streams in the wasteland. He's bringing life where there was no life. If we dwell on the past, we're not going to get there. We're we're going to be anchored to the past. That's exactly what regrets want to do. Over in Joel chapter 2, this is just good news. Joel chapter 2 verse 25 says, I'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And he goes through a whole different bunch of different kinds of locusts. The point is, God can restore something that was broken that we now regret. It may not be that specific thing. You know, I can't go back and fix some of the things in my past. Maybe the way I treated somebody. Maybe the influence I had. I can't fix that. But God can restore something that was broken there and that nobody else can restore. And he says, I will. I will do it. I will restore the years that were lost through that bad decision or whatever it might be. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And then... Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, again, you might just want to write these down. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says this. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Okay, by godly sorrow, he's saying when we handle sorrow in a godly way, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I have sorrow that, I wasn't there. I was there. I said something. I didn't say something. I was involved. I wasn't involved. Whatever it is, whatever the regret might be, I have a sorrow about that, but I'm going to handle it in a godly way, meaning I'm going to bring the Lord 
into the midst of that sorrow. And I'm going to receive the restoration that he can bring so that I can get up and go forward. And, and it says here, godly sorrow brings repentance, right? We just described that, total change of thinking, total change of behavior, not just in our own ability. We're actually letting the word of God come into our life and change the way we think. That situation with that guy, just one, one guy in particular that I just told you about later in life, I had a transformation in my thinking. I'm not that person anymore. I hardly ever lead people to do drugs these days. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, it, it was, uh, why, why was I, why was there a transformation there? It was because I received a new outlook from the Lord. In other situations, things that I did in those days, I didn't know what real love was. I didn't know that love meant you don't lead people into sin. I wasn't thinking about sin. Well, then at a point in my life, I came to know agape love and know that, no, you're, you're laying down your life to bring somebody closer to God. If you're leading them to sin, even if you say, I love you, I love you, and I guess we don't have any teenage girls in here, but those guys that take you out and tell you they love you are lying to you. They're lying to you, depending on the situation, it's possible, but I'm just telling you, most of them are lying to you, and you need to recognize that that's not love, okay? What I moved in as a teenage boy toward girls was not love. It was lust. It was not love, okay? I thought it was love at the time. I have actually gone back and apologized to one person about the way that I treated her. And she's like, oh, you were great. It's like, no, I wasn't. I was trying to lead you into sin and I'm sorry that I did that. A pastor's daughter. I'm glad I didn't have to reap the fruit of that later in my life. Anyway, we can leave, let's leave this behind. But I actually went back and, you know, and I just said, you know, I know now what love is and I'm really sorry you know, that I had that attitude towards you. Okay, so I was able to apologize, but I couldn't change what went, what went on or who I was then, all right? But, but godly sorrow brings the Lord into the middle of it. It says it leads, sorry, it brings repentance, which leads to salvation, meaning not getting saved and going to heaven, but it, it leads to godly, God being in the middle of something, a godly progression, in whatever it was, okay? Does that make sense to you? And, and it says, but worldly sorrow brings death. Meaning when we just allow the sorrow to consume us and keep us there, all right, that does not lead to salvation. It does not lead to, to, uh, to repentance. It, it keeps us living in the regret and living in the past. We have to be able to let go and get past that. So let me just give you some definitions here and uh, we'll try to move through this. But so the problem with the long-term type of regret is I can't go back and fix it. All right, I can't go back and fix it, but I can allow the grace of God to come into the midst of that situation and 
dethrone that regret's ability to control my future. Again, it's one thing to learn something and do things differently in the future, but I'm talking about regret getting a hold on us and producing a fear of relationship or a fear of taking a risk or a fear, what if I do this again? What if I blow it? What if I, what if I, what if I? If we live in those, we will stay anchored to the past. Does this make sense? Okay. All right. We already said a lot of times, regret comes through loss. I... Almost everybody I know, and I know several people now who have, who have lost a, a spouse or a child, but one of those really big losses, and several of these were you know, my brother, some other friends that I have, they were in ministry together, they were in business together, they were best friends, they traveled together. I mean, it was those kind of relationships for 35, 40 years. I mean, long-term relationships. And in many of those cases, and some of them had to make hard decisions toward the end of this, and the one in particular struggled, probably still struggles to some degree, but finally a couple of years ago got free from most of it. The Lord was able to minister to him. He struggled with the decisions he had to make at the end of his wife's life. He made the right decisions. The doctors say he made the right decisions. He had to decide when to unplug her. She was gone. I knew she was gone. Just praying. I knew she's gone. All of his friends told him, you did the right thing. All of the doctors, all, in fact, he's gone back to those doctors uh, many times and they've all come back. They've done everything they can do to convince him what you did was the best thing for her she was gone. I mean, she was gone. They can keep you alive with machines for a long time. She was in heaven, you know. Nevertheless, regret. He really struggled for years. He was tormented for years with that regret. You know, there are, there are so many times through a loss, and many, many times it's just, I should have been there. I should have done this. I should have said that. I shouldn't have gone there. Da-da-da-da-da. The point is, the Lord can set us free from that. If there's something to learn, learn it. But otherwise, that is just that guilt and that condemnation. How many of you remember the Bible says, for the Christian, there's no condemnation that comes from God. It doesn't mean there isn't conviction, that he doesn't step in to adjust our heart attitudes. He definitely does that. But that leads to life condemnation comes time after time after time to tell you if only you would have if only you were better at this if only you were a better husband if only you were a better wife if only you were a better pastor if only you were if only you were if only you were that is condemnation that's one of the voices of regret it wants to bring you down and again it makes you afraid to step up i'm not enough I'm just, I'm, I just, I'm not enough. I, I can't touch. I better not try this. I better not touch that. I better not try to minister to that person. It, it, will, it will shipwreck you. It will hold you down. And, and so all of those, you know, the thing about that is hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, we all say that. At the same time, hindsight is full of assumptions. 
It is full of assumptions that if you would have said this or you would have done that or you would have been there, everything would have worked out okay. How do you know that? That is a big assumption and assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. Revelation is the highest form of knowledge. You all know what happens when we assume, okay? But there it comes. If you were, you know, if you were better, if you were this, if you were that, all right? What that is, is regret bringing blame. And I just want to make this statement. You know, I can't, honestly, I can't remember the whole story. Karen does. She'll tell me on the way home. <laughs> but I will say this. Heaven does not have the language of blame. And we had, a, we had a friend that had died. I'm not going to try and tell it. At any rate, remember that story that Marshall and Cindy told us? Anyway, uh, this, this guy, had, he had died, so he was sick, and he had died a few times. And one of the things, there was one point where there was this angel with him and, and he said, whose fault is this? Is this my fault? I mean, he was struggling. He's, he's physically dead, spiritually alive, and he's struggling over blame. And this angel said, we don't talk like that here. We don't have a language for blame. There is no condemnation that comes from God. So when we are blaming ourselves, that's what regret is. I'm blaming myself. Again, if there's something to learn, learn it. If we need repentance, repent. If you need to renew your mind so you don't live that way again, awesome. Get God in the middle of it. But, but that just, just to let that voice of blame, self-blame, self blaming someone else run in your head is going to be destructive. Does this make sense to you? Okay. All right. You know, Revelation 12.10 describes Satan as the accuser of the brethren. Okay, when, when Jesus dealt with uh, the woman who was caught in adultery, you know, he, he, he went through the whole thing and, and everybody, you know, he, he who is without sin, throw the first stone and slowly everybody left. But what his conversation with her then was, where are all your accusers? And she said, well, there aren't any left. And he said, neither do I accuse you, go and sin no more. So it wasn't just, Neither do I accuse you. It's okay. Just go back to your adulterous life. It wasn't that. But it was, I'm not here to accuse you. I'm here to empower you to go out and sin no more. All right? So, so there's a good end to these things. All right? Regret will try to build spiritual inertia in your life. Regret will try to, through self-doubt, through fear of failure, it'll try and hold you in place, okay? Here's some good things, all right? Regret presents the opportunity for true repentance and growth. Repentance, we just read it, provides the opportunity to receive forgiveness, to receive God's wisdom, to receive empowerment to go on and live a different way. So when we have a regret, that's where we need to take it. Okay, here's an opportunity for me to repent, to get with God, to bring the Lord into the middle of that situation, to bring the Lord right into the middle of what happened. And, and this honestly is partly how you do this, is you take that regret 
You don't just kind of, oh, okay, I'm going to leave regret behind. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to take that regret. And I've done that with the things I just talked to you about. You go in the time of prayer to the Lord and you say, you know what, Lord, I'm really sorry that I did this. This was really wrong, obviously, in my life. And I'm praying that on behalf of that person, I don't even know how they're living today, but on behalf of that person I may have harmed, I am praying, Lord, you be right in the middle of that situation. I turn it over to you. I bring it under your blood. I bring it to the cross. I know you already died for that sin that I committed. I know I'm already forgiven. But Lord, I'm right now bringing this to you and I am seeing Jesus right in the middle of that. And I'm saying, Lord, I I just pray that in that situation with that person, you would restore whatever the locust might have eaten, whatever might have been destroyed from that decision. I trust you to be in the middle of that. And I let it go because it belongs to him and not to me. All right, so it, so it creates the opportunity for that kind of repentance. Regret, can, it, it presents the opportunity to choose new attitudes and behaviors. It presents the opportunity to renew our mind to the scripture. Okay, well, Lord, why did I act this way? Oh, because I thought love was, I mean, I'd say it this way now, I wouldn't have said it now, I thought love was really selfish, you know? I mean, the, or the view I had of love in that day was very selfish, but that's not your love. And so Lord, I just ask you in this, please continue to renew my mind to what real love is. Lord, I never want to lead anybody away from you again in my life. Father, I repent of that. And I receive your forgiveness from that. And I just pray your presence into that situation, that person's life. Lord, and I let this go. I put this at the foot of your cross. Your blood was enough to erase it, forgive it, and restore. And I trust you for that in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? But you've got to do this. You've got to take these things uh, to the Lord. And then you've got to receive the forgiveness he gives. We talk about forgiveness a lot. Forgiving ourselves is one of the hardest. We're one of the hardest people to forgive is to forgive ourselves. A lot of times we can get a lot better at forgiving somebody else, but we don't forgive ourselves. Well, that grace, that forgiveness is there for you too. And if we're not going to be held back, if we're not going to get shipwrecked by this, if we're going to be able to go forward, you have to come to a point where you can receive the forgiveness and walk away clean. You've got to realize, you know what? Yep, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm not the only the only child that God has that made a lot of mistakes in his life. I'm not making any excuses. I'm just saying, you know what? I choose to receive the forgiveness of that blood. If we don't do that, we're sort of saying what you did on that cross wasn't enough. We're sort of saying, well, but what I did, you know, that was outside of what you did on that cross. And we don't, we don't want to be there. We don't want to be that, that person. Regret provides the opportunity to celebrate God for his goodness, faithfulness, and forgiveness right in the middle of that situation. When it comes up, if that were to come up now, I mean, I've worked through these things, but if that were to come up now, I would confront those thoughts with how good God is and how, yeah, yeah, that happened. I did that. 
You, you already know that. You knew that before I confessed it, but I've confessed it. I know that your forgiveness is far greater. It's, it's majestic. It's amazing. Your grace, that's why we sing it that way, Lord. It is amazing grace. And Lord, I, I just stand in this place and I thank you again for the forgiveness for that. And I pray again, I thank you for the restoration you are working there. All right, so I don't, I don't let those things come back upon me. All right, at some point, we've got to be able, you know, again, one of the hardest thing, people to forgive is ourselves. Galatians 6 Verse 5 in the Amplified Bible, Galatians 6, 5, says, For every person will have to bear, be equal to understanding, I'm sorry, be equal to understanding and calmly receive his own little load of oppressive faults. Every person will have to bear, be equal to understanding and calmly receive his own little load of oppressive faults. It's not saying live under those. It's saying Admit, yep, I've made a lot of mistakes. I'll probably make some more. It's pretty likely I'll make some more. I'm not perfect. That's part of receiving the forgiveness that God has made. You've got to let him supersede the mistakes that you may have made. Got to, you know, it's if you can't admit mistakes, you're going to repeat them. You're just going to repeat them. All right. Remember that condemnation is not from God. So we're going to wrap this up and pray. We think about Paul. We started this teaching looking at the life of Paul. And we, we think it's just one good example. Think of the regrets. Think of the regrets that Paul had to have. He started his ministry killing Christians. He started his ministry. He went and got papers, legal papers saying, yep, you can go throw them in prison. You can go murder them. You can do whatever you want. That's how Paul started his ministry. And then Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus and turned his life around. But you know that as he went and ministered to people, as he built churches, as he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, you know the voice would come and say, who do you think you are? You are the one. I know who you are. You are the one out there murdering who you're, you're saying you're their brother now, right? And you know there were people that carried that too. And then the message started to get around. The one who was killing us is now ministering. Praise God. Okay, but think about it. We know he was a human being. We know he had to deal with those regrets. So how did he do it? I think this is why he wrote so much about our identity in Christ, that he wrote so much. And I'll just read a couple. Galatians 2.20, he said, here was his attitude. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The old me doesn't live any longer, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We've got to get this. We're going to be free from regret. We've got to understand this is who I am now. And yeah, that that me is dead and buried. And when I, if I hurt somebody now, that's going to be dead and buried too. I am not, the fact that I make mistakes as a human being does not mean that I am not a child of God. It does not mean because what Jesus did for me is bigger than the stupid things that I do in life, and I do plenty of them. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. You all know these verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new, become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. All right. So if you're struggling with regret, I encourage you, we're going to pray over this in just a second here, to take that very thing and see it at the cross. See it covered in the blood of Jesus. Receive forgiveness for it. If you need help, and you may very well need help, and you want to talk to one of us, you want to talk to a friend, you want to talk to a counselor, just be sure that it's somebody who knows the word and knows what Jesus did at that cross. And we'll share those things and, and we'll help you grab hold of your identity in Christ. Because if you go to somebody that just has a form of religion but doesn't really believe in the power to release us, doesn't believe in that kind of thing, they're going to give you works. And you're going to fail at a lot of those works. And you're going to be in a cycle of regret. We don't get out of regret by doing better works. We want to do better works after we get out of regret. But we get out of regret by bringing Jesus into the middle. And laying that thing down. If you have to do it multiple times, do it multiple times. But bring it back to the Lord. He's doing a new thing. You are a new creation in him. That person is dead and buried and you are raised to a brand new life. You have the same resurrection life that Jesus has. You are a child of God. You are his beloved. And the fact that you've made mistakes or will make mistakes doesn't change that doesn't have the power to change that. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there's not a one of us in this room that don't have regrets in our life. And, and Father, some of them are fresh and new. Some of them are many years old. Some of them, you know, from our perspective, are, are big and unchangeable. Some of them, Lord, we just need you're leading on how to unravel that, on how to go. And if there's apology, an apology that needs to be made, Lord, we want it to be sincere and we want it to lead to repentance and salvation. So, Father, we, Lord, we bring all of this before you. And I pray, Father, especially over people who have experienced great loss, people who have damaged others, and anyone who is struggling with regret, Lord, we bring that to you this morning and we invite you, Jesus. We, we picture that we see that thing right now at the foot of your cross. We see that thing with the precious blood of the lamb poured over it. We see it in that sense erased from memory. It is not something you are holding and remembering, Lord, and we ask for freedom from it. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to begin to once again breathe the word, the scriptures into our hearts that we need specifically to set us free. But Lord, we set our hearts and we set our, we set our face like flint. We are going into freedom. You have offered us freedom. You said you heal the brokenhearted. And Lord, we trust that in Jesus' name. You're the only one that can set us so free that we have a tremendous testimony of freedom rather than regret. Father, we just pray this this morning. We put it before you. We put ourselves in the process for you to work this in our hearts in a very, very real way.
And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you guys get anything out of this this morning? All right. Glad to see everybody in church. If you need prayer specifically for this or for anything else, please come up after and let me, let me pray for you. Next week, Resurrection Sunday, we will be here. Hope you all be here to celebrate with us. We love you so much. So let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gundersen Basin and the world. We're going to go out there this week. and We are going to be the church of Jesus Christ, right? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.